In this episode, we continue to look at Alice in Chains, Black Gives Way to Blue. Enjoy. And welcome back to Music Speaks. We are about to uh, go on an acid bubble with Alice in Chains um, and Karu here. Um, and so if you've been with us so far, uh, you heard Sean try to take the cake from me earlier because he thought his song was the weirdest, but no, um, acid bubble is six and a half minutes of something else. Um, so Nick was talk talking about this a little bit on our break. And, uh, so, uh, you know, where does this song take you? <laughs> uh, I think this song would be very interesting to listen to on an acid trip. Not that I've ever <laughs> Which I don't recommend. Yeah, I'm that's not, not no something I've that. experienced and have no desire to. But I will say that it would be, it would probably not be a great trip. Um, but yeah, no, this, uh, this song, I, it's so, it's just, it is an example of like maybe if there's one critique of this album, I would say a few of the songs do overstay their welcome a little bit. Um, and in this song in particular, once you get past the four or five minute mark, you're kind of like, okay, I've heard this already. <laughs> this is the same riff. This is the same everything. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very much um, a song that you used the term sluggish earlier. Yeah, that that's yeah. very sluggish, and I, I do I do enjoy that at times. Um, like listen to a song like that. It's not going to be. It's definitely not going to be a tune that I'm going to wake up to mm -mm. every day in the morning. Um, <laughs> you might not wake up at know, all. <laughs> yeah, that, is, oh, that is true um yeah it, it's in but it, it, it there is like some one, one thing that I, I i do like about this song is it, it the transition between the first and the second part a bit yeah um it's it's like three the first three minutes is very like slow and then all of a sudden you get this riff breakdown mm -hmm. um where it's like uh, i think the lyrics are intent obsolescence yes uh built um, into your system yeah and that at system. that point it's like it's almost like two different songs yeah um, i agree this one has like two different gears and I, I think it really needed that because if if it had just been like six minutes where like the first three minutes was building up and then it was just three more minutes of that, that, that would have probably been like a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. uh, but with this, you know, having that sort of shift in gears, um, you know, that's definitely another, as Sean calls it, the Haru headbanger. That, that part is definitely, definitely a headbanger. Yeah, so, like, it's a really long song, but there are good things in it. And um, I, 
do you think that I like the second theme as well a whole lot more? Because um, the uh, first section, for instance, it's got like a very repetitive bass line. It's yes. the same bass line for like two minutes. And then um, the transitional material, it does a whole lot more in those like minute, minute and a half, two minutes of material and uh, then the entire rest of the song. Um, yeah. So I um, I would agree with you, but I personally um, I don't think I'd turn this one off. But of the entire album, this one made me think of Muse a lot. Um, yeah, I can see that definitely. Made um, you think of what? Muse, like Muse. the band Muse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, Muse is. I, I, this album definitely isn't experimental really in any way, but there are certain songs on this album that are experimental in ways that you could kind of compare a little bit to Muse. Mm -hmm. um, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, it's funny, well, not funny, but it's interesting that you brought up uh, the intent obsolescence because um, the overall feeling i had at the end of this song was it, it put me in a daze really and there is some overarching theme that you can tie from the days of it to um the the intent obsolescence obsolescence the definition it has to do with like things becoming outdated or like obsolete and so it's there's got to be something in there about the kind of like glazed over eye feeling that you get in the outer yes. two sections of the tune with, um, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm not sure where they might be going with that on this particular album. Um, but it is an odd like place to start the second half of our podcast with, you know, it so, is. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think this one's like middle tier of the pack for me personally. I'm not going to turn it off, but I'm not going to search it out. You know what's really very though, cool about the band in general is um, they write such like dark and very gritty music, and yet you like hear them speak and talk, and they're like some of the chillest dudes. Like they're <laughs> so chill. It's it's just so it's so interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I'll bring up a music video later and you can see a lot of that in it too. So um, anyways, um, this whole tune, it can be a real uh, lesson learned as Hunter told us earlier. So uh, <laughs> considering that we don't want to take any acid trips here on Music Speaks, but um, thanks for that one, Allison James. Anyways. <laughs> well, that is correct, Mary. You might even steal Hunter's job as master of segues. So congratulations, uh, no, Hunter. I'm sorry. You Most been, impressive. You might have been demoted there. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so I am I am prepared to say, and Nick, you can vouch for me or not, but I know you. I've known you the longest out of all these people here, except for Mary. Mary, maybe not. No, I'm kidding. Um, because I feel like I know that this is the number one song on the album for you because I've heard this song before and I've heard you talk yes. about this song. Yes. Okay. Good. I got it. Cool. That's what I thought. Um, and I, I felt like this was your favorite. Why is it your favorite? Well, um, first of all, I think 
that compared to the other songs on this album, the length is, you know, not exhausting. Mm-hmm. You know, you can listen to it and it's not like, it's not going to cause your eyes to become glazed over, right. as Mary was saying. Right. Um, so it's a very, it's a song that you can definitely like put on repeat and not like be exhausted by it. Right. Um, Another thing is I feel like this song really just it's just so grungy Mm -hmm. is the best way I can put it. And just so like when I think of you know, yes, it has like a very repetitive bass line and stuff. And, you know, um, but, you know, it's just so dark and twisted. But at the same time, you know, something you can just um, bang your head to. Just like that. Another thing I really like about this song, though, and you can tell me, um, I, I was reading some of your notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, on this and you were asking what is the lesson learned mm-hmm. and you know that it was actually something that I had thought about in the past and I feel like it can be kind of answered in a very hopeful sense which is that mm-hmm. in in the lyrics it says in your darkest hour you sh- strike gold right um and I think for a lot of people if they're going through a really tough time in their lives um you know in their in their darkest hour per se they'll often find something that you know helps them uh sort of lift out of that place right um and i know for a lot of people that music such as this is is that thing that helps them lift out of that Right. I'll also say that this is probably my favorite music video of theirs. Mm, Um, And the reason why is because they took 10,000 images for this video and compiled them all together to make it look like an actual video. That was awesome. Yeah. That's freaking fantastic. I, right. That was so cool. You know what's also interesting too, as you mentioned, the the transcendence of something. Like you mentioned, something mediocre then becomes great. How, and we've also went through that journey together. How we both saw Eternals, we walked out of it, we were like, eh. We walked into No Way Home, feeling, yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Um, sorry, Hunter. Um, so as we kept going, you know, it's interesting about this song. Is it almost feels like this song is a dark horse? And that it might not even meet the expectations of the other songs because they're so different. Um, and I love how when you showed me this song, how unique it was. And I think that's why it's your favorite song because it adds all those those technicalities that that make it such a great song. All those grunge aspects, as you mentioned. I think my only regret about this song is that they haven't played it live since 2010. What are they yeah. doing? Wow, that's a long time. Get your yeah. act together, Alice and Chains. Come yeah. on. Come you need on. To put this back into the set list. And and you know, Nick, there was a time where you told me when you went to go see them live in New York. 
and that you went to a concert of theirs and you, you told me a story about being involved in a mosh pit. So I was wondering if maybe you could maybe tell that story about being involved in that mosh pit and what that was like being there listening to them play. Yeah. So hold on one sec. I gotta get, I gotta figure it out. I'm trying to remember. Uh, oh yeah. So, um, yeah, so this was like the only, I think one of the only mosh pits that broke out in the whole album. Mm. I, I was there. It was, I was, it was a general, it was a smaller venue and I was kind of like in the general section. It was all standing. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't mean to get pulled into a mosh pit. Like that wasn't my intention. Mm -hmm. It just like, it kind of started around me. And then all of a sudden I kind of got pulled in. Yeah. Um, I can't say that I went like crazy. I was never like super comfortable with it. Um, I kind of like first chance I, I got, like I kind of got out of it, but um, it was to a song called uh, Bleed the Freak, which was from their actually debut uh, 1990 album, Facelift. Mm. Mm. And um yeah, no, it was just, it was a really kind of comical, funny, funny thing, me getting pulled into a mosh pit, which is not something that I expected to have happen, that I wanted to have happen, and yet it happened. And that's how the... I can't even imagine that. I could see, I, Hunter, I could see Hunter in a mosh pit. Oh, yeah. I could yeah. Shoot me. <laughs> Again, I probably looked like the most awk awkward, like, person because i was not into it at all i was just like how did i get in here <laughs> let me out <laughs> let me out and and for that moment um nick would say take him out of yes. the uh of the of the mosh pit itself um yeah, oh, that was a nice out. try and that was yes, a nice I, try you did, that, did, that, did that not work oh shit. that did not work okay Sorry, Hunter. Go ahead. <laughs> it was a very a nicely attempted transition, though. I can appreciate where that was going. Um, so the next song is, in fact, Take Her Out. And I have no idea why. And it's not even remotely close. But for some reason, I started listening to this song and like Danny Phantom popped into my head. I haven't the slightest idea. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just like a vague uh vague orchestration similarity i don't know but the one thing i noted with this song is really drawn out vocals like they're very yes. slow but the music keeps going yeah like the way um jerry says like she's not just mine like the mine right exactly so... but then the the music is still going underneath yeah. it, so you feel like it's moving forward but the the whole the the held notes make it seem more yes um, what's the I'm looking for almost hypnotic like we were talking about earlier um, which is actually how I felt about the other song the the when the sun rose again it's almost hypnotic and I, I think we mentioned it in one of the other songs too about how it creates sort of just like an atmosphere of 
like a drone almost, and you're sort of just in it. Yes. And my question to you is, where is he taking her? Is he taking her out or out? Uh, yes, this is, this is a classic question that I've often thought about myself. Um, I feel like knowing Allison Chains, it's definitely like the taking her out as in like murder. <laughs> that was the sense I got, but then again, I never but know. In my head, I like to think he's taking her out on another date. It's a really intense date. I know. <laughs> um, she might run screaming for the hills unless she's into that sort of thing. I don't know. <laughs> I know. Um, I mean, the poor girl. I know. You know it's it's a, it's a great it's a great question. I, I don't like a lot of the songs on this album. It's kind of left for interpretation. Mm -hmm. Mary, as our resident woman, I mean, I don't know how you would feel if all of a sudden you got in the car and this started blasting. I mean, you might be like, uh, I need a moment. I don't know. I definitely like my my bit of grunge, but uh, that particular one, I'm not sure. <laughs> I once I once got I, I once was taking somebody out on a, a date, and uh, a crime podcast started blaring on my car, and oh, yeah. I, I was like, "Oh, whoops! Didn't mean to put that one on." I'm sure that gave, <laughs> I'm sure that gave great vibes. That's a nice yeah. test, oh. though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It is. Just a, it gives you like a chance to read the room. How did she react? Yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah. So that that's that's funny. <laughs> now I'm just imagining that you turn the car. Whoops. Nope. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, and it might in fact one. lead to your own private hell. Uh, yes. Yes. Which I believe that's... Mary is taking. Hopefully so not Sean, too, but about. <laughs> yeah, I am. That I'm was Sean. a pretty good one. Okay. Yeah, we, we tossed the transition trophy around here, y'all. So um, <laughs> let's see. So Private Hell was one. Um, I know I've asked about like music videos a few times, but that was the one that I really like got into the music video because there's not an official music video to Private Hell. There's, um, but there is an official like studio recording video. And it wasn't released until 10 years after the album, like uh, beginning of the pandemic, right? Something like that. I actually haven't seen that. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's on YouTube now. Um, but it's got like a little quip at the beginning. And um, I think it might be uh, Jerry. He goes on and says, and here's another upbeat tune for y'all. And then they go straight <laughs> into it. But it's got all these shots um, from like within the studio and stuff. It's really neat to watch. So, um, yeah, anyways, um, so Private Hell, um, at least for me, when I listened to the full album, it didn't really stick out. Like, when I saw um, that that was one of my tunes for the list, I was like, wait, I need to go w listen to that one again. Um, so yeah. uh, how does this one stand out to you? I definitely felt the same way upon first listening. Um, I thought, huh, this is really interesting. But I kind of, you know, it kind of, I just went to the, it just went to the next song. Mm -hmm. And it's only after I, I listened to it a bunch of times um, 
that it, 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 it's definitely, a, it was definitely a grower for me. Um, <laughs> and I don't know, I guess this is one of those songs where when I'm feeling like really down, I guess one thing that I like about this kind of music is that like, if I'm feeling like really down about something, I like to listen to like music that sort of matches that mood. And okay. that's the song Private Hell definitely like, you know, I excuse, I excuse myself. I'm in my very own private hell. It definitely feels like it's like a voice that's commiserating with you. Yeah. And as I, lame as that sounds, Sean. I know you're probably uh, thinking, uh, oh uh, my God. No, I, I think it's thinks. it's definitely uh that's how I'd place this tune too. It's got a um marooning feel to it. Like I, I listen to it and it it doesn't necessarily make me want to be alone, but it does make me feel like it. Yeah. Um and um i think it repeats those lines like six times two three four it's like five or six times that it says that throughout the the song um i wanted to also just note one of the other stanzas which one was it um oh it says um <laughs> and this is a eh, i'll just read it but um take what you will um Flowers on a cross remain, marking an ending scene. Damn it all, if blood you spill, turn the grass more green. Life is short. Um, and that's the final, like, different stanza before the repetition of uh, Private Hell, um, the chorus for the rest of the tune. And yeah. it uh, it hits just somewhere uh, that, like, I feel on my grayest days. Yeah. So, um, and I think that also comes from because this uh, one thing um, that we talk about a lot as like brass players is like the idea of weight and like how to create weight mm -hmm. um, in efficient ways. And um, like bands like Alice in Chains, um, they just have this inherent weight to their sound. They do. Mm -hmm. And it's um, it's accentuated when they have like a lot of thrumming chords. But even in something like Private Hell. Um, it doesn't like it's not like it screams heavy but it just has a a quality to it yes. um and i think it's really neat how um that same kind of sound that they get um i think at one point you had mentioned that they had like two kind of phases as a band um and um well I, obviously for for multiple reasons but um i do think that the what am I getting at here? Like the sound, the weight of the sound, it stays. Like yeah. that's something they can always create. So. Um, if you want to, I, I forgot to mention this. Being, if you want like a really like non-Alice in Chains music video that is Alice, like that is made by Alice in Chains, listen to um, off their most a recent album, Brainier Fog, the music video for that one. That one is actually, it's a very silly music video, hmm. which you wouldn't expect from the band considering they have really messed up music videos. But that one is just like very lightweight silliness hmm. involving like 
a beer can that gets lost. I'm not even joking. <laughs> okay, that one sounds like yeah. a lot of fun. I've been meaning yeah. to listen to Rainier Frog since um, uh, Sean sent out the Alice in Chains. Um, and uh, so it's, it's neat to see bands that can do it all. But yeah. um, I think that this tune in particular is a really good... Um, not quintessential, but almost iconic kind of yeah. picture of how they sound. Um, mm -hmm. But um, I, I do think that if I if this one were to come on on the radio, I honestly I would seek this one out on certain days too. So it's probably yeah. upper tier for me. But um, yeah. Okay, I'm just not. I'm gonna forget about transitioning because I'm not sure which one the next <laughs> one is. <laughs> <laughs> next, the next one is actually the title of the album, and the song is called Black Gives Way to Blue. Um, Nick, what does it mean in this case that black gives way to blue? Yeah. Um, I, I actually did search out, like, the meaning of this one because... Um, well, there's a bunch of different meanings. There's the lighthearted, sort of lighthearted, more lighthearted meaning of like. Um, like when you're feeling really, really sad, uh, sometimes it can get to the point where like, you kind of stop feeling at all if it gets bad enough. And that's kind of like the blue feeling like the blackness gives way to blue, which is like, just like this. So like feeling of nothing. Hmm. We consider that lighthearted. Okay. <laughs> compared to the, compared to the other. Yes. Now, oh, yeah. This is, uh, and this relates back to really uh, what I think. It's the title of the song, and as I was saying, um, this album is, a lot of it is about dealing with the trauma and grief of them losing their lead singer, Lane Staley, uh, from an, a heroin overdose back in mm -hmm. 2002. And if you watch the um, documentary for this album, it's about 45 minutes long. You know, that is a very extensive, they, they were talking about how this song in particular um, really made, especially Jerry, just at one point, Jerry actually got kind of like physically sick while trying to make this song. Mm, um, wow. And the black gives way to blue. Part of it, one interpretation is heroin is often black. Mm. And blue corresponds with death, mm. like blue blue veins, right? Um, oh. Yeah. So I, I realize that's super dark, and that's not like I don't want to dwell on it or anything. It's just that is another interpretation, yeah, of the song, yeah. Um, and Sean, you mentioned here it almost feels like the song doesn't finish. No. Well, that's the tragedy, isn't it? Yeah. 
the fact that they lost their lead singer. Mm. So that was actually very purposeful of them to end right. it like that. Like right. this, you want you're left wanting like an ending to the song, right? But it just doesn't. It never comes. It never comes. And Hunter knows that I've gone to therapy because of songs not ending. <laughs> um, but in, no. this, in, in in this fashion, it almost feels like it 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 does its sole purpose. It yeah. means that his life was cut too short. It was. And, and honestly, Hunter, you might agree with me on this one, that this one is a short enough song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is. It doesn't feel long enough to be an Alice in Chains song. Nick, would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, compared on this album, sure. Mm-hmm. Like I said, there, there are other Alice in Chains songs that right. are two, three minutes long, and, and you know, that's you know, that's the way they are. But right. definitely, you know, on this album, it it stands out because rather than it feeling, oh, this has gone on for a long time, it, it definitely cuts it short. Right, right. And is it is it weird to say that this one feels happy? Or weird to say that this one, like, I, I, I hate to use the word major feel, because when I say major, I, I I do mean happy, but I mean like an abstract version of happy. Because on guitar, it doesn't have those sluggish, very boom 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 sounds, but it's very kind of open. We have acoustic guitar. What what do you think? Yes, it's different. I would say no to happy. Yeah. Okay. This song, I actually, I I don't. This isn't a song I seek out. Because right. I know whenever I listen to it, it's actually it's enough to kind of put me in a sadder mood, mm. and that's not really something I would, you know, go going back to what you're saying, Hunter. What's wrong with this guy? Uh, <laughs> there, there's your answer. I I'm not. I don't actually seek this out. Mm. It's only if I'm already feeling sad that I'll probably listen to this, or if I'm listening mm-hmm. to right. the album as a whole. Yeah. And, you know, one would say you would want to listen to it again for even a different version of the song. Um, and what's pleasant is there's another version of this song on the album that Hunter's going to talk about. Same title, but what's different about it, Hunter? This one is the, uh, it's a piano mix. Ooh. Yes. Yes. So this is the piano mix. And so... How do you think by changing, Nick, how do you think by changing the instrument, the, the main instrument of the song, affects the feel of the song? Um, you know, I haven't actually, if I have listened to the piano version, I haven't listened to it recently. Mm-hmm. So do I, we, I... Do we want to take a quick... We do like a, like yeah, like a quick thirty second like so I can hear yeah. It. Let's do a listen. Everybody mute up, and uh, we'll be back in fifteen seconds. So here we go. Everyone mute up. Hunter. Here.
Right, so I, I remember listening to this now. Um, I think that changing this to piano, uh -huh. um, well, two, two interesting things, actually. One thing I forgot to mention is another thing that's very cool and interesting about this song is, you know, who they got to play on the piano oh. um, for this song is Elton John. Really? Yeah. Oh, um, I didn't know that. So essentially, Elton John and Allison Chains just happened to be in the same studio on the summer and fall of 2008 uh, when this album was first being made. And wow. the story goes that um, Jerry actually passed a little, just like a, a little note to under uh, Elton's door and with like kind of like a, like, a, like a track, a sample track of um the song and you know he said hey this is our gonna be our title track it's gonna you know be um pre pretty emotional it's gonna be about grief and loss uh would you like to play on this in the piano and he said sure um so cool. yeah, yeah how neat is that um but the other thing i was going to say about the this piano version is, in my opinion, it does actually make it um, lighter. And the mm -hmm. reason why I say that is because um, the guitar, I think the guitars um, to me in the original um, just make it super it adds a sadness to it that when you just have the piano uh, going and without any like of the other, um, I, I think there's a little bit of electronic instrumentation in this song as well mm -hmm. uh, for like added effects. And when you strip all that away to just piano, um, it does take away a bit of that uh, edge of sadness. Yeah, I would say that. I would say that's definitely true. Listening to the non-piano version and the the piano version. And do you particularly have a preference now, having refreshed your memory? I think I like the original only because um, it, it's. It, I mean, both are fantastic in their own right. It's. Um, I just think when I think about the song and if I choose to listen to it or if I'm going to listen, I'd rather just hear the original. That's mm -hmm. not, that's not true about like every song, like some songs, you know, I, I do prefer like the acoustic versions or, you know, like piano versions. But in this case, I just prefer the original. Mm -hmm. And 
I guess that that brings up my next question, which is, you know, the a, a lot of people hear this style of music and they think to themselves, like, how could anyone possibly listen to it? Um, what do you think draws people, yourself included, to this style of music, one that is very heavy, very dark? Why do you think people like it so much? I think that, um, for me at least, yeah, it's funny you were you you were saying like, um, you know, like you you could never you didn't see me listening to this kind of music because like mm -hmm. I, sometimes I I can, you know, it doesn't really fit my overall personality, but. Um, there definitely is, there's a part of me that, um, you know, this is definitely true in my early teenage years, um, especially in, you know, throughout my teenage years where there were periods where uh, I felt emotionally like I went through some rough patches and, um, you know, even into adulthood. I mean, everybody experiences rough patches and having music to relate to that, um, is you know it's kind of like it's a comfort you know it's mm -hmm. like comfort music um and then what sort of happens is the more you listen to it um over time you stop like the thing that initially got you into it was which was like this bad feeling you start to listen to it and you almost become in a lot of ways numb to the uh, feeling of effective sadness that the you know the music might give people and instead you kind of learn to filter that out and all of a sudden you just get to appreciate um the song for what it is rather than like, oh, this song is such a downer or oh, the lyrics are such a downer. Mm -hmm. So you do you mean you, it's like a form of catharsis or, or a form yeah, of, it's yeah. a form of catharsis, but over time you just become like, kind of like numb to like, yeah, sure. It's like, yeah, sure. Whatever the lyrics are dark. Okay. Who cares? This song is still awesome. Like mm -hmm. you, you kind of like over time, like just start to enjoy the other aspects of the songs, not right. as much just like the really dark lyrics that might've initially pulled you in. Instead, mm -hmm. you're just like, wow, this song is awesome. Interesting. I was always just curious. Cause I know, you know, personally, it's not what I would listen to. And so being one of those people who would wonder, I figured I'd ask since you, you do happen to like it. Um, all right, very neat. And so with, having said that, now we will move to our last song, which is a hearkening back to another one that we already did, but I know Mary would like to talk about a different version of the song. Hmm. <laughs> I thought you were going to try to swing another decision, something in there. And oh, yeah, I was no, like, I okay. Just... How's he going to pull this one? <laughs> yeah, I saw the, the I eye roll field. happen when you decided to be like, yes, we've already done this one. <laughs> well, I was like, what is the name? And I was like, oh, yes, this is already done. 
Yeah, but um, I, there are things that are different about the live version of your decision. And I, to be honest with you, I mean, I'm a live performer person. So I really enjoy seeing how things change with live performances versus studio recorded pieces. So um, did you um, find much difference about the live version than um, the original Your Decision? So just to make sure like um, the one that you're referring to, is this the one where it's it strips back a lot of it and just is mostly acoustic guitar? Yeah, it's, it's at Guitar okay. Center. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, this is definitely a song that, in my opinion, I, I actually prefer this version. Um, I think it's a song, yeah. since it already had, you know, acoustic guitar. Um, you know, there are just certain songs that, you know, I guess are kind of made to be when they're like stripped back um like they become almost like more beautiful and i i think this is one of those songs that really benefits and i know that um you know i i saw this i heard this song performed uh when i saw them live and you know it, it was definitely um stripped back like this hmm. they might and prefer one it that, thing way that I really, yeah and what i appreciate about uh, songs like this that are stripped back and acoustic is it really does help the song you know shed a new light on um you know the the vocalists you know jerry mm -hmm. and um william but the song is mostly um jerry but mm. still a it, it lets the vocalist kind of shine even more. Yeah, I agree. Um, there's just something about acoustic instruments, but I mean, at the same time, um, in a studio, it's as pure as the tracks uh, that they mix are, um, there is still a, the grunge that Alice in yeah. Chains has, and it, it definitely uh, gives them the space when they go more acoustic. Yes. Um, and uh I I'm not sure I could pick out um Duval in the vocals. Yeah, it, it might it might it. be it might actually be um all Jerry. I might I might have that one wrong. Well, that's okay. But um one thing that they do in the live version and they they do it in the studio version, but it doesn't have as much impact, and I think it's again because of the acoustic um style then i when the um the other two singers harmonize um yes, during certain choruses mm -hmm. and um it all just kind of it rings differently if that makes sense that's one thing that you know i i really love also about allison chains is you know the harmonies mm -hmm. um they're really strong and i think it's actually you know, one of my favorite aspects of the band. Yeah, um, there was, it wasn't this particular tune. There was a different one. Um, I think it was, I couldn't tell you which one it was, but um, the bass line, it used a, a minor key with a flat two half the time. 
um, which I know doesn't mean anything, but um, the way it was like, because it, it would walk down the scale sometimes and it would include a flat note before um, like the tonic, the note that's always playing. So it had this weird uh, like irregularity to it. But um, uh, like Hunter brought up with minor keys and stuff, um, the dark colors, it only increases how how dark of a color that has. Yeah. They do some really interesting things with harmony in it too. And yeah. um, I, I do wonder um, if... Uh, because some bands they improvise harmonize uh, while harmonizing, um, just depending on the training of the singers. And so I wonder how much um, of the harmonization was natural in in um, some of their live performances. So. Yeah, um, I mean, personally, when I saw them live, it wasn't something I really noticed. I I, I think of it was. Not, yeah. I think it was mostly um, it definitely felt like that, you know, it was rehearsed in that, you know, mm -hmm. that they knew what they were going to, they knew their set list, they had it down. Oh, it yeah. didn't felt like there was a ton of improv, but I have seen artists where um, they do a ton of improv. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. I would have loved to have actually like seen this one live, even though we got to hear a live recording. Yeah. So um, anyways, I guess this is a good time to um, wrap up this album. Are there any other things you'd like to say, Nick, about uh, this particular Alice in Chains album? Um, yeah, I think this is the first one that I kind of just listened to um, kind of like all the way through the first of theirs. And in my opinion, like, this is how you do a comeback album. Like, right. this is, to me, this is the standard. Um, That's a good one. You, you know, they, they took something that was really, really tough. Um, you know, and they, they took a bunch of years off. Um, but the way they just came back with this album, um, and really like, you know, they introduced William Duvall, but they still had everything that made Alice in Chains, Alice in Chains. You know, that's, I mean, what more could you really ask for? Yeah. Well, um, this has been really fun. And yeah. um, after this uh, next break that we're gonna take, uh, we have a quiz for you on Alice in Chains. So oh um, this will be some fun. Anyways, um, at this point, we're going to take another break. And um, it's, again, sponsored by Anchor. And if you like our podcasts here at Music Speaks, um, please think about subscribing to us. Um, we love to see those numbers kind of go. And if you would like to contribute to our podcast, please consider going to anchor.com. And all you got to do is search Music Speaks podcast. Um, if you're interested in doing a specific podcast with us or like join us here, um, write us at uh, musicspeaks.pod at gmail.com. Or you could uh, send a slug <laughs> to Hunter's house. And, um, you know, we're not going to tell you where that is, Sean, by the way. He and I both know now. I don't this know. Is where a United Frontier. <laughs> um, but anyway. <laughs> anyways but anyways uh we'll be back after the break and don't go anywhere 
And next time, we will take a look at the Alice in Chains quiz targeted for Nicario, who has challenged and won every quiz so far. Excited to see what he does next, and we'll be back next time. See you then, and keep listening to what you love.